Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Grace Brothers Throat Spray. Does that frog in your throat sound more like a turtle? Do your doodahs sound more like rat-a-tat-a-tats? Try Grace Brothers Throat Spray. It also doubles as a perfume with notes of honey, jasmine, patchouli, oud, and phenylhydroxy acid. Find it at the ladies' perfume counter. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello! Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Brandon. How are you doing tonight? I'm Jim Dandy. Um, you know, um... Who's Jim when he's at home? Oh, ask, ask Randy. Um, <laughs> the, our bell friend, uh, she's doing well. She says Gladys. hello to everyone. Oh, okay. She's, she's doing the, um, Morse code, and she says, please hurry up. I wanted to go to sleep. Okay, fine. <laughs> okay. Fine. Oh, well. What can you do? So, um... Weird episode or melancholy episode? How do we feel about this episode of the podcast, Mr. Jeff? I put off watching this episode because I didn't want it to end. I don't want this to be the last episode of the series. Here, I'll, I'll uh, maybe you can translate what I'm saying. <laughs> He'll have the cop salad. <laughs> That's a really good impression of Mr. Humphrey's crime. And then you say, he'll pay for mine. And I was like, I will not. Right? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so we've, we've reached the last episode of the original series of, of uh, Are You Being Served? It's, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of episodes. We've done a, I mean, when you do record and edit all of these podcasts, you're like, oh my God. But then there's not a lot of them. Each, each series has like, like seven or eight, I think is the max at one point, and there's only ten seasons. So we're at the end. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But, but good do things, not worry, Unanimous, as we have said several times over the past few weeks, we're not going away. We're going to do all of the weird one-off episodes, and we will be going into Grace and Favor next year. So Indeed. Hang on to your hats. We're, uh, we're sticking around for a little while longer. And a local update. Um, because you've all been so generous donating your hard-earned cash to buy your loot for the uh, imfree.threadless.com, we've upgraded the That Does Suit Madam compound uh, with a nice uh, open-air deck. So you, you might be hearing, um, it's right along I-40, and you might be hearing the traffic, you know, going uh, to buy their parcels wrapped with a bow <laughs> and all of that. So thank you, Unanimous. We, we really enjoy the deck that we were able to add, so it's lovely. We've heard from some of our new fans on Facebook, so welcome to Dasha, Cedric, Carol, Yovi, Ian, Joanne, Courtney, Diane, Petey, Paul, Walt, James, John, and the folks over at the Croft & Perry podcast. Hello, that's right. You know, um, we really should, I wonder if we, it's too bad that we never like did a conjoined episode or something. Maybe we can interview those folks and call that an episode or something. They probably know a lot of cool stuff. But yeah. um, go and check out the Croft and Perry podcast. Uh, they interview everybody. Like if you've, if, you've, if you walked past the BBC headquarters when they were filming on the <laughs> sidewalk, they've interviewed that person like for the podcast. So they're pretty cool. So hello, folks. 
Yeah. Uh, we've also been hearing from uh, Twitter, have we not, Mr. Jeff? We have. We have indeed, Mr. Brandon. Yeah, we have yeah, indeed. Yeah. yeah, Ozzy Jason sent in photos of his John Inman uh, music collection on both vinyl and cassette, which is pretty cool. I didn't know yeah. that he had more than just that one album. Well, he has, one are single. you being served, sir? That sir adds a lot of copyright protection, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he did something like Big Brass Band with John Inman or something. Really? Yeah, maybe we should do an episode about, like, the music CDs of <laughs> the staff. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so thanks for that, Mr. Oz. No, Mr. Jason from Australia. I wrote down Aussie Jason. Is Aussie a uh, pejorative? Hopefully not. No, I don't think so. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Um, and we heard from our friend Mr. Rob on Twitter, um, who was surprised that Brandon, myself, has never been to bingo. And... Frankly, I'm surprised at that myself. <laughs> um, like, I would love, to, you know, I know that the Connecticut Gay Men's Chorus, random I know, um, does a big bingo thing with uh, a drag queen named Miss Joan Crawford. Okay. And it's basically Joan Crawford drag. Like, it's fabulous. Uh, but it, it would be a lot of fun. So maybe one of these days, uh, Rob. But uh, And he also mentioned uh, little, okay, so here's a question. Can you think of another British comedy series that references Are You Being Served all the time? Because I can think of one, and our friend Rob knew of one. That references Are You Being Served And you may not know this. It's kind of, kind of a deep cut here. Oh, well, okay. Um, I don't know about all the time, but I, I clearly remember one of the... Um, Daffith sketches in Little Britain, who the he's the um the only gay in the village. Um, <laughs> only gay in the, the village. Yeah. When when they're they're doing I don't know if they're doing pub quiz or he's trying to prove that he's gayer than, than someone else. else. Yeah. And the question is, who is the gay character on Are You Being Served? And everyone in the pub answers Mr. Humphreys. He's like Oh, I thought it was Captain Peacock with that mustache. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that was very close. So if you've never seen Little Britain, it's essentially like Saturday Night Live if you're an American. But everything's recorded. There's nothing live. But it's two dudes and whose names I can't remember at the moment, but look it up. Matt and Lucas do... and... Um, oh, you're so good. David Williams. Um, David, David Williams. David Williams, yes. David Williams and, and yes. Um so anyway, so one of the ongoing, it's <laughs> so stupid, one of the ongoing um, skits is this guy who is very socially awkward and he doesn't know how to speak to anyone about anything. So he makes things up and he just randomly decides to make up that he's best friends with Molly Sugden, the actress who plays Mrs. Slocum. Oh, okay. Yeah. This and it's is all like, coming back to me now, right? Yeah. And it's just like so random and weird, like. This is probably, like, filmed in, like, 2003, and, like, Molly Sugden at that time, like, people kind of know who she is, but not really anymore, you know. So, um, anyway, so the joke is, he's always talking, oh, my, this reminds me of my friend Molly Sugden. We just had tea the other day. Oh, Molly's great, you know, kind of, like, rubbing it in people's faces that he's friends with a celebrity. So, anyway, um, it's kind of a silly joke, and it's very British, because if you don't know who Molly Sugden is, it's not, you don't get it. But at one episode, um, towards the end of the series... Molly Sugden cameos on the show and actually shows up as a guest host. And she's like, <laughs> not a guest host, but like a guest star. And she's having tea in this restaurant where this guy is, have, is talking about his friend, Molly Sugden. And then across the, t- across the way, Molly Sugden sits down and he's like, oh, your friend, Molly, are you going to say anything? And of course he's like, no, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to. Because he doesn't really know. And then so right. basically he's forced to like say hi. And Molly's like, yes, do you want to... St- do you want an autograph? Anyway, it's it's funnier than it than I'm making it sound. But <laughs> I can't believe we didn't talk about it until the last episode of the series. Yeah, that's funny. Oh my god! So well done, Mr. Rob. Yeah, thanks for that, Rob. And uh, while you're at it, please remember to wear a mask, wash your hands, and as always, Black, Black Lives Matter. Lives Matter. Yes, indeed. You've and all you've done, done very well. well. <laughs> so, Mr. Jeff, for one last time for the original series of Are You Being Served, which is sounding so weird as it comes out of my mouth, what the hell are we doing listening to this podcast? <laughs> Tonight we're talking about Series 10, Episode 7, The Pop Star. And this originally premiered on April 1st, 1985. And that week in the news, 
for the millionth week in a row at the top of the Billboard 100 chart was One More Night by Phil Collins, and at the top of the UK Singles chart was Easy Lover by Philip Bailey and Phil Collins. This is one reason why I'm glad that we're wrapping up the series, because I don't have to mention Phil Collins ever again. (laughs) (laughs) He was really big in 1985, I have come to learn. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what else was going on that week? So France announced a new election system that week. So previously, it was a two-stage winner-take-all by constituency. Okay, so there were a bunch of candidates that were running in each, like, local commune, and... At after the first stage, um, all but the top two candidates dropped out, and then okay. you, you then you went back to vote for a second time amongst the top two, and that okay. it was winner takes all. So if you got fifty one percent of the vote, that was who was in your little constituency who represented you. Little known fact: this is where the ABBA song came from. Winner takes all. <laughs> Thank you. Like, Thank you. <laughs> Thank it you. took me a while. I'm like, Chikatita? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, uh, but then they changed to a single vote proportional. So you only went to the polls once. And however many votes your party got across the entire country, that's how many seats that they took up in Parliament. So if your okay. party if your party got 33% of the votes across the entire country, then you would get 33% of the seats in parliament. Which makes so much sense to me. The fact that it only matters in the states how people vote in Iowa, Florida, and Pennsylvania, that does not make sense to me. It's yeah. so annoying, but um, yeah. interesting. Okay, so things were changing um, in 1985. It was also the first live telecast of the New York Easter Parade. Have okay. you ever been? Um, I made a bonnet and I walked around Fifth Avenue, but I was not in a parade. Okay. Although people say every time I walk down the street, it's a parade. It's a parade. (laughs) I've never been. I mean, even having grown up here, it wasn't something that we ever did as, as a family. But you'd always see like the clips on the news with everyone all dressed up with the hats and the bonnets and the fascinators and whatnot. Yeah. It's a fun time. And also that week, Wham! became the first Western pop act to release an album in China. That is kind of cool. Wow. That, that, is a, that is a good fact to file away if you're ever on Jeopardy! in the United States or Only Connect or Mastermind in um, the UK or whatever kind of quiz show they have in Canada. Um, these are the things that you learn when you listen to our podcast. And if you win lots of money, we can send you a PayPal link if you want to thank us, okay? To buy lots of t-shirts and tote bags and pillows (laughs) and coffee mugs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, all right. So the last episode, let's just rip off the Band-Aid. What's going on when we start the episode? So the phone rings on the ladies' counter, and it's rumbled. Uh, He wants to know as soon as Mr. Spooner gets in, because the store's already open. He's not there. And Mrs. Slocum yells across the floor to Captain Peacock that Rumbled wants to know. And Captain Peacock <laughs> is upset that she's yelling across the floor when there are customers present. Yeah, We yeah. do not converse like traders at Billingsgate Fish Market, um, which is okay, a real place. I have a feeling you're going to tell us all about what that is. It, it's, a, it's a real place. It's in Canary Wharf. Uh, they sell fish wholesale, but you can also, um, individuals can go in and buy fresh fish there. So I'm picturing the public market in Seattle where they have all the fish that they throw, yeah. one of yeah. those kind of things. It's like Pike Plates. It's like Tsukuji in Tokyo. It's, it's a fish market. Okay. Fulton, Fulton Street in New York, right? Um, this whole skit, this whole part of the scene is very reminiscent of um, season five, episode four, The Old Order Changes. Mrs. Slocum, if you want to get my attention, raise your hand in the air. And when I look at you, I will nod. And then you may call me to get my attention. And then I will call you to the center of the floor. You know, th- that whole, like, back and And then forth, her right? joke is, get stuffed get or stuffed, something like right. that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things about this episode that I can remember other episodes where the same thing happened. Again, 10th season, 7th episode, you know. Th- this is their greatest hits. They know, they know <laughs> that they're going to get canceled. So Running on fumes. Yeah, yeah, they're doing their best. Oh, that's a good question. I wonder if they knew this would be the last episode. What do you think? <laughs> 
Yeah, at, at this point, at this point, they knew that it was going to be the last episode. Um, because when we look about, when we start talking about Grace and Favor and how that's going to get started, mm -hmm. uh, we know that they started, the cast started pitching ideas um, pretty quickly after cancellation. Because ah. they had ideas about, you know, how to take these characters out of the department store milieu. Because oh, nice. façon de parler. They'd, they've run out of ideas <laughs> about the store and move yeah. them somewhere else, right? Interesting. Rumbled is upset that the entire department is getting slack. He, he chastises um, uh, Captain Peacock for taking out Mrs. Slocum's time with a conversation about Billingsgate Fish Market <laughs> yeah. and wants to know where, where Mr. Humphrey's in it's because the gentleman's counter is unattended. unattended. Because well, Mr. Spooner's not even there yet. Because Mr. Spooner's late, right? right. Oh, he was, he was in the back repricing his stock. His shirts are up, his gloves and ties are up, but I like to drop my trousers and display my wife fronts. <laughs> <laughs> Great to Which, hear this joke again. Yeah, it's cool because I think it was Mr. Granger who, um, I want to remove your underwear and place my, tra uh, or remove your pantaloons and place my wife. Right I can't remember. Yeah, Something in the very the first episode. Soon. In the very first episode. Yeah, that's right. Oh, so we're having a full circle moment. It's a very much full circle moment here, yeah. Oh, interesting. So we get more that's information cool. about Spooner. Um, he's been late almost every day this week. And Rumbold wants to give him the sack. Yeah. Um, we learned that he had to perform in the staff concert on Saturday night, and he had yeah. the beginnings of a sore throat. Um, well, that's no, he had all of day, Sunday to recuperate. That's no excuse. Okay. Um, Slocum and Peacock vote to sack him, and um, Brahms and Humphreys vote to give him another chance. Well, two senior people outrank one senior person and one junior person. And so they're going to do something with him. They're going to you can't keep him in the department anymore because he's no good Brahms, for the department. She's like, can't we do? So, can't we demote him? Can't we keep him? Right. Let you him know. mend his ways. Yeah, right? it's like the whole um, idea we talked about at the beginning of season ten. Um, they're a family. They love each other. They look out for each other. Even though Rumbold and Peacock wanted to get rid of him and Mrs. Slocum. Um, it's, it's sweet to see them kind of like stand up for him. So, yeah, yeah. it's the season of love. Would this have ever happened to Mr. Lucas? Oh, my God. Wow, that's a good question. Because he was habitually late. Right? Yes, but there's some, the charm about Mr. Lucas is that he always had like an excuse and he was always brash enough to kind of walk into the face of the management to say... This is my poor old deaf old mother. Her deaf That's aide went true. down. That's you know, true. That's true. Mr. I think Spooner just kind of. I don't I mean, know, he tell, I, he tells point, the truth. I slept through my alarm. Yeah, and Trevor Bannister was supposed to be like the star, so they kind right. of gave him that attention, but they don't give that to Mr. Spooner because clearly it's Mr. Humphreys, and you can see yeah. the attention has gone definitely to Mr. Humphreys. Yeah, uh, but it's a good question. So they they decide that they're going to. Um, you know, one of the things that Spooner says uh, it's contributing to his tardiness is that he had to wait. He couldn't wait for the lift because one of the lift girls is out with the flu. So he had to take the stairs. So they decide um, that he's now going to be one of the lift operators. Um, and we see the classicism uh, per oh my pervade God. all the way down to the canteen. Right. Um, yeah. Mrs. Slocum and Captain Peacock don't want him sitting with. Uh, the rest of the department anymore because he's not part of the department. He's I know it's so sad. Working like, class, right? The next, the next scene is the canteen. We see everyone. We expect Mr. Spinner to sit down. And he's wearing like that that monkey suit that you see, like yeah. the uh, the mechanical monkey with the organ the grinder. coin operated. Yeah, organ grinder. Thank you. Um, and he sits down, and everyone's like, "You can't sit here." Of course, it's so classes just like you said right i love when the manageress walks in and she's like right right you can't sit here it, it, it's sort of like you have to sit next to the the trash can or something you've got to go two tables back <laughs> like there's an imaginary line where the white collar staff and the blue collar staff sit. i know which is right. so silly poor mr spoon there's no problem with mr Harmon approaching the table because he's got today's newspaper which has a mention about um, the Saturday night concert, and they're all mentioned by name. Well, most of them are mentioned by name, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Although he never sits down, does he? he uh, well, maybe once or twice. But. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, I, I, we see this like, and if we, you know, we see this in a couple of seconds later on. But this is another example where both Harmon and Rumbold are sitting on the near side of the table. So there are some camera shots where their back is to us, 
where they're making full use of the table. Oh. And we didn't see that until last episode. Yeah, yeah. Friends and neighbors, right? Yeah. Um, that is interesting. I don't know. I don't know why they changed that, or I wonder if someone. I wonder if there's like a different director or a different head of camera operator. Yeah. Um, the quote in the paper says that the outstanding act, which even exceeded the versatility of the lady snake charmer from the pet <laughs> department of Harrods, was the remarkable performance of Mr. B. Spooner of Grace Brothers with a, sh- with a song called Chanson d'Amour. D'Amour. <laughs> and Mr. You, Mr. And Captain Peacock rolls his eyes yeah. because he couldn't pronounce it right. Yeah. They'll compare him to a young Des O'Connor. Um, he was an English comedian, talk show host, and pop singer who released 36 albums over his entire career. Damn. So, yeah. So that, that got a little bit of a chuckle because, you know, Des is well-known, uh, you know, well, definitely at this time, very well-known, uh, and a very prolific um, recording artist, whereas Mr. Spooner sung one song in um, uh, a department store charity concert right and you know i don't know des o'connor maybe he's the coolest dude ever but something strikes me that he was probably in 1985 seen as a bit square yeah a little bit older on we get we get we get another reference to you know someone from the 50s that as being idolized quote unquote by this backwards department store yeah and i think that it was like the the grace brothers concert not going to be like riveting entertainment <laughs> um, <laughs> that young people would like. Oh, but there's Des O'Connor and everyone loves him. Well, uh, like Lawrence yeah. Welk. People don't love Lawrence Welk, right? Everyone loved him like 20 years ago. Or 50 years ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, the newspaper article goes on to mention um, Mrs. Um, Silka, Miss Brahms, and Mr. Humphreys as the backing group, and Mr. Rumbled on accordion. But Captain Peacock is nowhere to be found, and this gets up his goat. Um, uh, he was playing the piano out of sight just behind the curtain, so the uh, journalist obviously couldn't see him. But of course, just like in the nightclub commercial, he was peeking his head around to make sure he got seen because he wants to be noticed. He is important, and people and need he to has, know that he is there. And he has a little ego that likes to be stroked, apparently. Just a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, there was a talent scout in the audience that night, and um, Rumbold gets a call from a record company who wants to sp- sign Mr. Spooner because apparently he's such a good singer. And uh, oh my God. Im- immediately the wheels start turning for Mr. Rumbold that uh, they have to reinstate Spooner to the department because it's going to be very good publicity, not only for the store, but also for the department. This reminds um, me a lot of the episode with Mr. Granger when he thinks he wins. I won the pools. I've won the pools, right? Right. They start he, was, buttering- he was fired and they had to bring him back. Yep. They start yeah. buttering up to him, right? Slocum runs out and brings him a coffee to the lift. And Brahms follows uh, quick behind with the sugar. And Mr. Humphrey starts says, oh, isn't it terrible? People will suck up to you like that. Uh, Captain Peacock, you're going to finish your chocolate biscuit. And then he runs Wait off with me. it as well. <laughs> of course, we knew that was happening. Yeah. Um, has this ever happened to you where your coworkers were um, conspicuously nice to you? That, you know, something was up, that something was going on, that they were kind of buttering you up for something? No, it's interesting, though. Um, when you asked me that, I instantly thought of when I left my uh, a position in California. Um, it was my last day, and I was, you know, it was hourly, and you have, to, you have to work, otherwise you don't get paid. And I think it was after lunch, and I turned around, and someone called my name. And it was so nice because the whole staff bought me, like, a bouquet of flowers, which is Aww. so sweet, right? And, like, a bunch of chocolates and, like, a little gift bag and stuff because they were genuinely, like, wish I wouldn't let leave. And it was, like, the sweetest thing. And the job before that, people didn't even, like, say goodbye to me. <laughs> yeah. So you really see the full gambit. So yeah. uh, that's what I think of. But what about you? Um, I don't recall, this didn't bring up any memories for me of that either. You know, I, I guess I think of when um, people, you know, had, um, uh, they had a task that they knew that I wouldn't like doing 
or uh, something like that. You, you get that voice like, hey, how are you doing today? <laughs> are you busy? You get that kind of voice, but it's yeah. also, it's, it's well-meaning. It's not this kind of ulterior motive that I want to get famous to type thing that we see with okay, the, uh, well, the staff. N- now that we're talking about people buttering people up because of fame, who is the most famous person you've met? Like, actually spoken to? Uh, let's see. Well... You can't um, say Bert Spooner. <laughs> okay, well, um, little known fact, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, um, but I was almost a child actor. What? And... Um, so I did, um, I did an episode of Reading Rainbow where, you know, they You mentioned the, that once. Yeah. I, I, I have talked about that, right? Where you do the book review. Every um, episode you've mentioned that at least twice. I have not. <laughs> Come on now. Um, oh, that reminds me of the time when I was on Reading <laughs> the, um, the production company um, really liked me. And they wanted me to come back and do a series of educational videos and so, um, not I too did, shocking. Can I just say that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I did some work with um, Malcolm Jamal Warner, uh, better known as um, Theo Huxtable from the Cosby Family. Oh, that, I was like, that name sounds so familiar. Oh, interesting. Cool. And also with Fred Newman, uh, he was an actor. He, he was very young looking, but he had white white hair. And he okay. did um, the Briars ice cream commercials in <laughs> the um, uh, in the eighties and nineties, and um, I also went to college with James Vanderbeek from Dawson's Creek, and I think that is my gamut of famous people. That James Vanderbeek, Dawson's Creek. If you're of a certain, if you're basically if you're forty, that's a huge deal. If you're thirty five or younger, you're like, who the hell is that? Right? I think <laughs> it's a very generational thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's cool that you were like a reading rainbow guy, which, you know, prophetic in many ways, of course, as, as it turns out. Um, <laughs> what about you? What are some famous people you, you know? Have? As soon as I asked the question, I'm like, who the hell? So uh, I once got to very briefly interact with the singer Janelle Monet. Okay. Who I am obsessed with now. At the time, I wasn't, which is quite a shame. Um, but she was very, very real. And that's it. <laughs> I okay. need to get out more, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, fame does make people do crazy things. Indeed it does. Because back on the floor, um, Spooner is um, using an atomizer to spray something in his throat. Um, and they all start buttering up to him, right? They, we see Miss Brahms and Miss Slocum hanging on him like um, <laughs> a teenage fan club. Even Mr. Humphreys doesn't quite hang on him, but he's like, excuse me, and then, like, butters his, you know, gets, squeezes himself in really close. Right. and makes sure that he's getting, you know, it, it turns out that there's throat spray in, in the atomizer. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Spooner realizes why, because they want to be in the backing group, and they want to be famous, too. Yeah. And he takes a little bit of umbrage with it, but um, he, I think he soon realizes that he can play this to an advantage, that he's the one who can call the shots from now on. Um there's a phone call for uh, Mr. Spooner, and it's the record company. They want him to record, come in to record a demo in the studio at 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, and Peacock thinks that he might be able to convince Rumbled, but it would be a lot better if they could do it later in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the record company asks about the backing group, which causes a ruckus. And you know, everyone now wants to take the uh, close the store half an hour early, uh, so they can go down to the studio to record this demo because they all have an opportunity now, right? So they decide right. that they're going to remind the record company, the A and R rep, um, of the um, uh, of the backing group. And Mr. Silkum rips the phone out of Mr. Spooner's hands. I am the lead singer of the backing group, right? <laughs> Oh, I don't sound like this when I'm singing. I sound better when I'm mixing in with the other singers. Yeah. Because she's like, this is the, you know. Right. In that very, (laughs) you know, Fanny Craddock voice of hers. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Spooner starts singing I Got Rhythm, which doesn't have any backing vocals to it. So you see the staff take a breath to go in with some kind of doodah in the background, and he just goes on to the next line. Um, Yeah. So this song is um, from the Gershwin musical Girl Crazy. And it is a recognizable song, but it's also what's probably most better known is the song 
Embraceable You. Um, okay, go sing it. No. It's the last um, episode. Come on, Jeff. No. If you think about the <laughs> Golden Girls episode where Dorothy and Stan have to pretend they're married because Uncle Angelo, the priest, is coming back to wish them happy 40th anniversary. And Dorothy kicks Stan out of bed. And they start to reminisce about the first time she kicked him out of bed on the honeymoon. <laughs> and how he won her back was by singing Embrace Me, You Sweet Embraceable You, Gershwin. I guess we'll have to take your word for it since you refuse yeah. to sing. Anyway. Let the record show. Rumbled, in Rumbled's office, he says that he can't possibly close the store that early to let them all go down to the demo. Um, he tries to get Mr. Grace on the phone to, um, to remind him about what's going on. And they start vocalizing a cappella, right? So you've got um, Captain Peacock playing the uh, bass or, or, or sounding the bass. And we've got um, Mrs. Slocum doing the percussion. And Mr. Humphreys doing the um, harmonies. It's actually pretty well done. Yeah. But this is where we first start to get the idea of what the backing vocals are. With the rat tat tat tats which <laughs> tickles me. Pink. What's funny is um, even before all of that happens, um, we see the last image of uh, Miss Belfridge, right? Of course, everything is the last image of everything in this episode. Yep. Um, but Miss Belfridge is there, and she has not one but two costumes. I think she changes from one red dress to another red dress. Um, <laughs> our, our heterosexual uh, fans will notice that as well. Um, or lesbian. Um Anyway, so she gets Mr. Grace on the phone, and I thought, ah, oh, Mr. Grace, he's still in the world. He's still in the universe of Are You Being Served, right? And it's young Mr. Grace that comes to mind, not, never Mr. Old, old Mr. Grace. Yeah, we, yeah he's, he's dead to us. Um, but I love that Mr. <laughs> Mr. Grace thinks that it's the, um, some sort of, like, disease that's gone through the pet department. And, and uh, he an doesn't outbreak like of distemper. <laughs> distemper, which I think is, like, rabies or something, yeah. right? Yep. So it, it, why are you sending me the sound of the pet department when everyone's got rabies? Like, you know, but... Yeah. So they're not going to be able to close the department early. Humphreys then has the idea to borrow equipment from the good old stereophonics department. Man, they've got a lot the of demo, stuff up there, man. Yeah, and make the demo right in uh, Gents and Ladies. Because I'm sure the acoustics are very... Um, uh, they Superior lend themselves quality, yeah. to recording. Right. Oh, yes. It's like, like almost as good as uh, that does to Madam Studios, if I may say so. <laughs> Before we check out how the recording sesh goes, um, why don't we head on down to the canteen for a tea break? We have to change out our seven and a half inch reel tape anyhow, uh, so... We'll be right back. So what did you end up having in the canteen, Mr. Brandon? Well, considering... So as we record this episode, it's uh, December. And in the Northern Hemisphere, that's... Um, well, I guess around the world, it's holiday time. So luckily for us, our good old friend, uh, Chef Lori, she was agreed to come down to Northern Mississippi and make some Christmas pudding for us. Uh, you might remember her from the episode 37, uh, Do You Take This Man, where she gave us the recipe for Christmas pudding. So um, she was able to revive her old fruitcake things. Pardon me? What did you just call me? <laughs> no, no, no. She was able to, to revive her, uh, her brandy and her whiskey and whatever ingredients else she has with this thing. And uh, she did not use pure <laughs> Real cream cost of sugar. Modern sodium glutamate. Um, so that's what I had. What did you have? Uh, my throat was feeling a little sore, so I just had some uh, phenyl hydroxic acid, you know, to give it a little cool down. <laughs> As you do. As one As does. Do. As one yeah. does. All right. Well, I'm glad we had that break. What else is going on in the episode? We come back to the floor, and Mrs. Slocum and Brahms are practicing their scales very loudly. And they continue to do it in the background <laughs> while the camera pans away from them, which I thought was a very yeah, bold, artistic like, move it's on the like behalf of the director. Forgot to tell them, like, hey, gals, shut up. But it was cute. Um, right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Spooner's throat is getting worse, you know, and it, it does get better every time he gives a spray, but... Mr. Humphreys only has a few squirts left, so this is, you know, uh, foreshadowing for what's going to happen later This on. reminds me, also, we've seen this in another episode with um, Captain Peacock coming back from the yodeling holiday, where oh, he had to right. have the spray, and they, when he doesn't have the spray, they put that weird modulation sound effect yeah. on his voice. 
That's right. Yeah, this really is. I mean, we've been joking about it for a while. This the really great, is greatest the, hits. They're recycling. This is the the, the top of the pyramid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God. So they're because they're recording in the department and not at the record company studio they don't have any instruments they don't have an orchestra <laughs> so they're going to sing along to the um, instrumental version of the record and just go on top of that ironically they have a record of the record that they're recording but i i right. won't dig and, too and, deep there and the sheet music well they have this well they had to practice um for the, the staff concert so it makes okay, sense that they have the right, record and they've got the sheet music. Greg's right? Brothers Publishing Company has gotten involved here. Yeah. <laughs> I have to know where to come in with my doodahs. Well, you can have a look at mine. <laughs> uh, there isn't enough sheet music to go around, so they've got to share. Um, and we get the gag of uh, Rumbled and Peacock standing in the back row on top of the center display unit using binoculars. Mr. Granger would be so upset. No, he wouldn't be able to keep up. All I can see is two big semi-quavers from here. <gasps> and Mr. Mrs. Slocum Captain covers Peacock. her chest. Miss Captain Peacock. Semi-quavers. Right? And I love how Mr. Humphrey says, well, when you put your head there, where am I going to put mine? <laughs> and no one laughed. And maybe that's just me being very dirty-minded. But, uh, no, I laughed. <laughs> I laughed from home, even okay. though the audience didn't. Um, for our Americans listening along, a semiquaver is uh, what we call in the States a 16th note. So if you imagine a musical note with the two flags coming off of it, that's a semiquaver. <laughs> Captain Peacock. That was so cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So as they're going through their first take, the cleaning staff come in and they start Aww. banging their mop buckets about because they've got to clean. Yeah. But it's not Daphne and Ivy. It's two women we've never met before. Um, they're yeah. played by Mary Bradley and Joan Dainty. And um, both of them have had like several bit, like a handful of bit parts. You know, they, they wouldn't be recognizable today. I bet you the Croft and Perry um, podcast might know who they are. Um, maybe, but... Yeah, they've only been in two or three things all told, and like I don't think they're big prolific actors. But this is like the fifth time I've said we've said that word today, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> but I, I will say I love that the cleaning staff comes in because the very first episode, right? Maybe even the the pilot. Don't we see the cleaning staff come in, like the very first thing? I don't remember. That's, I mean, again, a full circle kind of thing. It's been it's been so long since I saw the first episode, right? Yeah, we've been on a lot of episodes, yeah. folks. But uh, I like how they come in, and we haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, so and they they, cool. they act they 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 don't act as hysterical as you think of like teenagers at the Ed Sullivan Show, for example. But they're definitely fangirling out watching that boy from the concert sing "Chanson d'Amour." The woman in the green cap with no hair. <laughs> is so cute. Like she is just. She looks like there's something about like her the green of her hat or her handkerchief or kerchief. Yeah. That makes me think of a frog because she has that big toothy grin <laughs> the whole time. Um, but she's cute. So Mr. Harmon was able to duplicate cassettes for everyone and give one to Mr. Spooner to take over to the record company first thing. Um, Mrs. Slocum um, played the cassette for Mrs. Axelby. And she couldn't mm-hmm. believe that it was her friend and her coworkers. She thought it was an important group. Um, Mr. Humphreys cool. played it for his friend, and he was neither one way or no the other. Great. He likes classical. He likes classical, right? <laughs> and Mrs. Miss Brahms kind of rolls her eyes. <laughs> what was the first? Um, this may be one of those things that exposes again that ever so slight age I'm gap very between us. Young. Yes. What was the first piece of music recording that you bought, and what format was it in? I remember exactly because, okay, I bought on Amazon.com <gasps> in 1998. Oh, my goodness. The Diana Ross self-titled CD-ROM, no, CD-ROM, CD compact disc. The, the 1980 album with the gray cover of her and Jordash jeans or whatever um, with the album that I'm Coming Out is on. And that was my very first, not only Amazon, but very first internet purchase. And I remember thinking, gosh, I hope they send it because it's on the internet. You right. know, back then, children, there was, a, especially on eBay, like what you just send your money and you just wait for them to send it. What if they don't send it? Like, that was a new thing for people. Yeah. Of course, people had catalogs, but there was something weird about an internet thing. 
But that was it. I remember I was just thinking about that the other day. What about wow. you? Wow. I wasn't expecting it to go that far. Um, <laughs> mine, mine was definitely bought in a shop, and it definitely was on cassette. It was um, The Beach Boys' Endless Summer. Slight age difference again. Just coming I, out. I fully expe- I fully expected because I'm I'm thinking about the age of when I was when I bought like you know when you're entering your teenage years and you start buying your own music. Yeah. So I was totally expecting you to answer CD, but I was not expecting internet. I thought that you would be in a shop. Well, here's That's the thing. I re- I've been a m- I've been a member of eBay since 1995, right? And that's 30 years. Jesus. No, is that right? 1995, 2000? Anyway, a long time. Yeah. Um, and almost, almost 30 years. Oh, geez. I'm 26. Uh, yeah, it's been 26 years. And I remember having to explain to people eBay. And it's an auction, and you can put stuff on it, and you can find things. And, well, how do you know they'll send it to you? You know, like, of course, yeah. now, of course, it's been so long. Well, I mean, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, how do you know they'll send it to you? Like, yeah, we, we definitely shopped out of catalogs in the mid to late 90s. But it was big, big companies like Sears, JCPenney, yeah. whatever. On, on it e- wasn't like eBay was small peer to, companies. was peer-to-peer. So how you yeah, yeah that's the thing there's no giant company backing up the yeah. idea yeah um, Mr. Spooner arrives finally with the news that he has been signed so they're all yeah. ecstatic for him that he's made something of himself and um, Mr. Humphreys breaks the fourth wall for the final time uh, no. in, this, in the main series and says I knew Max Bygraves couldn't last forever um, who the hell is that he was a pop star in the 50s. So this is the other example of the store and the culture being so outdated that they're idolizing people from 30 years ago. So a modern equivalent joke to that would be... So 30 years ago would be 1990. Like, okay, I knew Michael Bolton wouldn't last forever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yeah, okay. um, And Mr. Spooner lets them know that he's going to be the on the Around London TV program at six o'clock, and they're invited to the, be the backing group. So they're all excited. Oh we're going to be on telly. We're going to be on telly. So cute. You're so sweet. Yeah. Love it. Um, in Mr. Rumble's office, he's starting to sweat profusely because he's nervous. He's already taken his entire bottle of tranquilizers. Oh, Mike, just take a tranquilizer. Take a tranquilizer. Um, and Miss Belfridge eggs him on. You know, I think you're so brave for going on telly live. There are millions of people watching just waiting for you to make a mistake. Here, have an aspirin, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he starts, like, blotting his face, right. his forehead with his handkerchief. So cute. And by the way, how sweet that this is the last episode. It just hit me now. Um, all the staff gets to go on television doing a pop song, and everyone's happy. You know, like this is the perfect last episode. I yeah. Think. Anyway, we'll get to that. I'm sure. Um, Mr. Harmon says that the press are here for take some pictures. Word has already gotten out, so this is the good publicity for the department. Mm-hmm. But of yeah. course, he's already negotiated the deal. He's already sold the exclusive to Hello Magazine or whatever. <laughs> so he's going to take is the so pictures. London, I think. Right. right? He's going to take the pictures using. Uh, Mr. Grace's personal photographic equipment, which looks like it's from 1919. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. With or the, 1066. With the, or 1066, with the plate and everything, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So they're setting up, and they've got to hold their pose very long for the uh, for the, the plate to take the, uh, the negative. Miss Belfridge is her engine is running. Right. She's, oh she's moving her bosom around. Mr. Grace's secretary comes running in to see more with the correct flash powder. It turns out that Mr. Harmon was given the gunpowder instead. Uh, and we see Seymour one last time too. And we see Seymour. We don't see more, so but we don't, we do see Seymour. Um, this actress is never credited. So if you watch oh. all the way to the end, even though she's got speaking lines, she's not credited. Oh, that's weird. And I will say, <laughs> I knew we'd talk about it today. Um, it's so funny that she said, oh, dear, I have just come back from Mr. Grace's office. I think that might be gunpowder in there. But right. first, let me tell you what this is first. And then uh, the other guy's like, oh, I'll show, I shall go and tell them right now. One moment, please. And then that's when it happens. Right. You know, it's just like so silly. Of course, it's I'm being served. But the explosion blew Miss Belfridge's dress off. She comes running out in her black <laughs> lingerie. <laughs> so stupid. 
Of course, we see ash all over the place, and of course, Mrs. Slocum's hairdo is in, um, in quite a state, and the, in, in the audience loves it. They she's love gonna it. have to go see Madame Beryl before she goes on television oh tonight. Oh my right? god! I will say, I was expecting uh, Mr. Humphreys to come out with like showing his red and uh, satin knickers or something, right? That would have been funny, but he didn't have anything, really. Right, because the final gag is the camera is stuck on Mr. Spooner's head, right? Yeah, it was okay. Um, We're finally in the studio. They're all dolled up. They're in their costumes. They're ready to go. And uh, Mr. Harmon has a a recording, the demo, just in case they need to play it, because Mr. Spooner's throat is getting worse and worse and worse. Um, So what's interesting about this for me is that the entire episode we've been in Grace Brothers and we see that lighting, that sitcom lighting, right? right. Now, the very last couple of scenes of the entire series, it's now in a real television station uh, studios. So it's suddenly like, even though it's 1985, somehow it's still like 1972 in Grace Brothers are being served world because everything's dated. Everything looks the same. Right. Since 10 years prior, suddenly it was a little jarring to see, oh, there's some dude wearing like contemporary 1985 outfit. <laughs> That's true. And the lighting is, oh, it's like, this is like what a proper TV show would look like. Right. And, you know, so that was a bit jarring. And then you see um, Mr. Uh, Harmon dressed in like a suit from the 80s, not like his outfit. And it's sort of like, oh, my God, it's like this, the, the episode is already over almost. Right. So the TV presenter is played by Nick Ross, who really was a television anchor. He was I think on, all the people were real people, right? He was on Breakfast Time, which is the first breakfast uh, morning program uh, in the UK. And oh, you, okay. you could tell that he's not an actor by the way that he talks in terms of the, his, his um, introduction to um, of Mr. Spooner. He's got that very news presentery voice. Yeah, he does. You know? Yeah. Rumbold is playing the accordion, and he's coded as French because he's got his striped shirt and his mustache on. His little mustache. Right. (laughs) And we've got Captain Peacock in his white tuxedo as the, uh, or morning jacket, excuse me, as the uh, piano player. And Mr. Spooner, as the pop star, is wearing this red jumpsuit with this awful flock of seagulls quiff that they've done his hair with. Like, it's, it's a little bit of kind of mixed, mixed fashions here. Like his hair, his haircut is very eighties, but his jumpsuit is very seventies. Yeah, his hair reminds me of like the Teddy Boy nineteen fifties greaser kind of pompadour thing, but then the stripe of blonde in the middle feels very J- David Bowie to me, mm. as his outfit does. Um, but it's interesting because at one point they say we want you all to look exactly like you did when we saw you in the um, you know the the store concert. Yeah, the staff concert yeah and of course they go completely opposite glam because they're going to be well, on TV. Well, no, they, they rent they oh well, that's a really good point. Did they go opposite because Miss Belfridge um, called the costume department and they were able to have the same costumes that oh. they sang? Well, yeah, it, it would have been funnier if. Yeah, we want you to wear your outfit from the store, and then they came out like, and they got more crazy. glam because they were on TV. Yeah, but I have to say, uh, my God, uh, Mr. Spooner's waist is like nineteen twenty inches. Yeah. Right? Oh my God! Very very yeah. svelte. And then Mr. Mm-hmm. Mr. Humphreys in gold lame. He looks like a cross between Boy George and Liberace. Right, because he's got a little got, bit of Maud, a little bit of um, Dorothy Svornak, too. He's got a lot of makeup on, uh, especially his eyebrows, which look like they were drawn in with like an HB pencil. <laughs> you can even see where he put um, like orange, yellow makeup on his eyebrows yep. to cancel them, and then put like fake. Um, yeah. I mean, can you imagine the next Madame Con convention costume contest? Like, maybe <laughs> I was thinking we could recreate this whole set and we could have people recreate this whole get up. That's I think that would be a very right. successful thing. So, Mr. Spooner starts singing. He makes it through the first verse uh, and the backers with their rat-a-tat-a-tats as well. But his <laughs> voice gives out during the second verse. So Mr. Harmon is in the control room and tells them to go put the music on. 
and yeah. the music plays at double speed, right? And we got this oh, gag. Dear. We got this gag back when Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas were teaching Mr. Granger uh, the dance Mammy. to Mammy. Right. That's right. right. Yeah, exactly. And so we see Humphreys, Slocum, and Brahms have to dance in double time. They have to do their whole routine in double time. Um, Wendy Richard and John Inman are keeping up, but Molly Sugden is not. <laughs> And I'm wondering if this was a character choice that Mrs. Slocum would have been confused or if Molly Sugden really couldn't keep up with having to dance in double time. It's- well, it's interesting. If you watch them during regular speed when they're pl- doing it at the beginning or even when they were making the recording in the Grace Brothers studio thing, um, it's kind of a choreography that's not simple. I mean, you can see them like counting and thinking like, okay, now I have to walk this way. Now I have to turn and do the rat-ta-tat-ta-tat knocking right. on, the, on the door. While singing and doing it, you know, it, it was a little bit probably too more, too much for the actors to do very easily. And, you know, on a live stage with all the other actors and I don't know, that's a, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, you think you would have given them like a simple box step to do or something, but no, they had to, <laughs> they had to step in and out. They had to, um, they had to do a twirl swing and, their then, arms. and then swing back. And then there was a. I don't know if it Turn was around. if it was a full pot of beret, but there was some kind of like background motion going there. It was it was it was complicated. I would give you that. Um, so, <laughs> in the control room, the the director says, "Well, what speed is that tape?" And and Harmon lets know it's seven and a half. Well, rerun at fifteen, Susan. This could be the end of your career. And Susan oh, goes, no. "It's just not my day." How is this fucking Susan's fault? <laughs> Please tell me. <laughs> Like, we, we obviously don't know what else happened before 6 o'clock in terms of Susan's day, but it is not her fault that um, Harmon never let them know what speed their machines were on, or they never told him to record the demo at a certain speed. Well, of course, you know, this is the part of the episode where we take it a little bit too seriously, um, which is, we should have named that segment and had like a thing. And this is not, this has been too serious, a segment with <laughs> Jeff and Brandon. But I know that I used to play with my grandfather's reel-to-reel recorder. And uh, because of this very phenomenon uh, where you don't know what speed it is, da, 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 on the white or the, pl- the clear plastic reels where the tape would go mm. and spoon, spin around, it's very clearly marked seven and a half inches per second, 15 inches per second. Um, but it made a funny thing for the episode. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. Um, Chanson d'Amore was a real song. So it wasn't yeah, we need to that talk was about contri- that. There wasn't something that was contrived um, for um, uh, just for this. Um, it was recorded by the Letterman in 1966. Oh, I and didn't know that. The Letterman were one of those... Um, pop group of four white boys in the 60s. Milk and, Toast comes to mind. Yep. Um, <laughs> and they didn't do a lot of original music. A lot of their work was covers. Yeah. Um, I think what people would most know them for is covering the Archie Sugar Sugar. Okay, yeah. Right. There's a lot of uh, people in the 50s and 60s. Um, I learned this on the Little Richard um, biopic that I saw once, that a lot of um, black singers and soul singers and R&B and stuff, they would do their songs and be very fast and very fabulous, but then white audiences wouldn't listen to it because they were a black singer. So other white, oh, audience, white singers, groups, would record... Course. So, like, Paul Boone, like, Tutti Frutti, right? Okay, that's uh, Little Richard. Tutti Frutti, ha, Rudy, ha. Right. Thank you. Um, Very nice note. <laughs> uh, stay all week, tip your waiters. Uh, anyway, so pa- uh, Paul, Pat Boone, Pat Boone recorded that. Get so Tutti Frutti is, like, really fast. Tutti Frutti, And then Pat Boone, because he couldn't sell that record to white audiences because it was a black guy singing in segregation, he recorded... Tutti Frutti, Tutti Frutti, all Rudy, like very oh, like slow down. Oh my God. So it'd be interesting if the Letterman was kind of of that ilk. You know, when I was doing the research for this episode and looking at all of the songs that they did and keeping in mind that this was, you know, uh, very, very um, popular for the genre, whitewashing yeah. never came to my mind. But hmm. that I, I bet if we went back and look at their repertoire, 
That's exactly what happened. Yeah, and it's interesting now because I have my grandparents' old record covers, like the 1950s albums. And now that I'm thinking about it, the images of the people singing is very featured prominently on the cover. Of course, that's, that's every record cover. But I wonder if that was a little bit like, hey, white guy, this is a white singer. Yeah. I don't know. Very interesting. No, that, I you think know? that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Who knows? And that, Brandon, is the end of the episode and the, no! the end of the series. <laughs> it's so sad that, I mean, yes, they're on TV and they're getting their bit of fame and Mr. Spooner's going to go on to do something great, but it feels kind of anticlimactic. Well, I don't know. Like, it's like I'm a big Star Trek fan and the last episode of. The Next Generation is heartbreaking for me because it's the end. There's, as we said, for seasons seven, eight, nine, and ten, maybe nine and ten, they're kind of running on fumes, you know, like this recycled, you know, these days when you can stream an entire series in a weekend, you can see the repeated jokes. But back then, they didn't do that. They watched once, 30 minutes, once a week, and you would forget about the other jokes. And so, I don't know, like... Do I wish they would have been together for another three more years? I don't know. Like, how many times does Mr. Humphreys need to say, I'm free? Right. Like, we, you can still go back and watch the old ones. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah. I think that that's, you know, we'll, where we'll eventually get to in the new year is um, Grace and Favor, where it puts them in exactly. this... In this old manor that was bought with their... Um, Misinvested pension funds um, <laughs> with the different characters, which you know they can play off of. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I'm so glad that we have all the old episodes together. Um, I'm a big Kath and Kim fan, and I'm on a Facebook group for Kath and Kim fans. And they make the joke that as soon as I watch the last episode, I start right back with the first one again, <laughs> and it's just a continual loop cycle. Um, I'm very happy that we all have access. If you subscribe to BritBox or if you have DVDs, that you can go back to the first episode and watch it all again. Um, but it is sad that they. You know, but I have to say, for the for the episode, it is a happy one. It seems like they all are having fun. I mean, even though it was probably hard to learn the choreography, and they got to dress up in fabulous outfits. Like we didn't yep. mention that Mrs. Slocum and Miss Brahms are wearing like and their flapper outfits and the flapper from the twenties with headdresses and. Um, you know, like I heard the rumor that Mike Berry made a single of the song. That's a false rumor. Like that didn't actually happen, but you know, they probably, anytime you say chanson de mort to are being served, what's the next, you always hear Exactly. Yeah. So final thoughts on the final episode. Happy New Year. Let's just put it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's probably a lot of other TV shows that were probably produced a few seasons too many. I don't think they've gotten to the point where it's bad, but because we're nerds, we're like overanalyzing everything. We can see the repeat repetition, but I'm glad they made every episode. Yeah. I think that's a safe way to, to, to end the, I, I, the I agree. Um, so <laughs> we're out of episodes. What are we going to talk about next week, Mr. Brandon? Oh, dear. Well, next time uh, we're going to do the unanimous episode. Um, we have reached out and asked you fine unanimous listeners to send recordings or emails or voicemails to us about Are You Being Served and how our podcast has changed the way you see the episode, things you've loved things you've hated send us hate mail we'll include it as well the podcast is not going to be about an episode of the series because we've done them all uh including the the ones that you probably not even heard of so uh but this is going to be kind of like a love fest of the community that we've been able to conjure up around the podcast so uh it's great fun to yammer on at each other about are you being served but it's really cool to interact with everyone who listens and finds us on twitter and facebook and email and everything so we're asking everyone to send us a message about their favorite part of the podcast or their favorite memory of watching are you being served or anything you want it's going to be kind of your time to um be on the show so if you want to contribute record an audio message on your smartphone and email it to us you can also um send us a voicemail at the Peacock Hotline, 
And if they wanted to do either of those, Jeff, how would they do that? You can get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter or write us an email at that does suit madam spelled with an E at gmail.com. Or you can call the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. And while you're at it, grab some merch at our bargain basement shop at imfree.threadless.com. Sell out. And as always, <laughs> Mr. Jeff, you've all done, done very, very well. well. Bye, Unanimous. Bye, Unanimous. Bye. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? If the artist is late or fails to appear at recording, the artist agrees to pay for all costs incurred by the recording company.